Welcome to Radio KAL, the podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, number one Superman fan site in the world. This is show number 94, released on October 31st, 2012, uh, Halloween. And uh, yes, in the background is my co-host, Scotty V. That was very frightening, Scott. I know, you're all creeped out now. (laughs) Everyone ran out of the room. You thought we didn't have listeners before. How you been? I have been uh, pretty pretty good. Uh, we're getting hit with a little bit of a storm right now from the uh, Hurricane Sandy, which is another scary name. You know, if you want to be afraid of something, Sandy is always a good way to go. <laughs> we got some rain and wind here. I really haven't seen too much of the effects, but uh, I know so I know uh, some there are some there's some flooding going on in different areas, and I guess New York City, right on the coast there, uh, has been hit pretty pretty decently. Mm. Uh, I've been told Atlantic City, uh, where all the casinos are and the boardwalk, is kind of partially underwater. The boardwalk's covered, and uh, you know I don't know how true it is, but uh, so it's apparently a decent-sized storm. Well, there you go. Well, in the meantime, we have some nice sunshine here in Sydney, Australia. Oh well, of course you do. Is it summer <laughs> there now? Or is it what is it? Yeah, we're in spring. In the uh, yeah, it, uh, it's it's starting to heat up, so it's it's nice. It's. Uh, uh, good to get the warm weather and get the the short sleeve shirts out and the the shorts and the and the thongs or the flip flops as you guys call them. Uh, yeah, it's yes, to... we don't call them thongs. <laughs> no, that's something else. <laughs> that is something entirely different. <laughs> but uh, you know, just so that people get a general idea of where we are in our timelines, uh, Steve's looking at beautiful sunshine in the middle of a nice day where he could wear his thongs. Uh, <laughs> For those of you that want to see him in his thongs, I'm sure he'll post pictures later. And I personally am sitting in my home with pouring rain outside, and it's 9.50 p.m., so it's it's pitch black, and it's getting close to bedtime for a lot of people. Yeah, and I just finished my lunch here. So uh, see that? the wonders of the modern technology, uh, it's talking from opposite sides of the world on different days. Uh, I so love technology, I got to tell you. I, well, I just I don't think I'd be able to have lived in, like, pilgrim times. <laughs> you and me both. Wouldn't have worked for me. Uh, yeah, the raising barns and all that kind of stuff. Hammers, nah, not for me. No. <laughs> Work at all, really. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I'll do it as long as, you know, it's like sitting around and, you know, very, very light on the uh, physicality. That's good for me. Oh, we sound like a couple of geeks, don't we? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, let's Are we allowed to read our comics while we work? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about comics and movies and, and stuff like that because that's what people are – are tuning in for, and uh, we always start with... us prattle on like a couple of chickens. <laughs> we always start with movie discussions, and uh, we this past month, uh, October, has been a, a pretty interesting month for uh, a leaked toy commercial from Mattel uh, for Man of Steel. What did you make of these stretchy toys and uh, oh, other things that they, they're coming out with? I, you know, I have two kids, right? And so I often have Sprout on or, you know, uh, PBS or the Nickelodeon Junior or whatever. And so I see a lot of and hear a lot of kids commercials for kids toys related to all the shows that they're watching. And I have never, <laughs> I don't think I have ever heard or seen commercials that sound the way those do. I mean, those are some of the silliest, campiest commercials I've ever heard for any product anywhere I mean, if you, <laughs> if those commercials were actually complete, which my understanding is they're not, no. they're kind of just just like prototype commercials yeah. that 
have some fillers in there. They have some scenes from other movies in there because they don't know exactly what they're going to use or how it's going to go when they release them. But if those were released the way they were, which unfortunately they have been to some extent released so people can see them, I would think that that would actually hurt Superman's reputation (laughs) and hurt the movie's chances of being successful. I mean, I have friends who now give me a hard time about being a fan of Superman. If they saw those commercials, I don't think I'd be able to argue. (laughs) Yeah, the voiceover guys are really over the top, and uh, this whole he's higher, stretchy man. Here he is, faster. Uh, it's hilarious. Uh, but these uh, Superman flight speeders and then Superman exploders um, for the serious content, uh, which there wasn't much of, but it actually revealed a little bit of uh, spoiler material in regard to what this whole Black Zero that we keep hearing about actually is. I'm spoiled. I'm not even going to see it now. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> it's ruined the I'm whole done. movie for you. They've ruined it for me. Now I know that Superman's going to have stretchy arms and <laughs> he's going to be able to have Lois launch him through the air by pulling him back like a slingshot and he's going to be able to <laughs> knock over the bad guy's ship like it were dominoes. I mean, it's going to be some movie, but I have got to stay away. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Well, I'll, I'll let you, I'll fill you in on what happens. Um, yeah, tell me that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, Black Zero, it, you know, there was a lot of talk about whether or not it was a person or whether or not it was a group of people, as has been seen in the comics, but uh, it's actually a spaceship. Yeah, that's the rumor based on those commercials. Um, well, you know, exa- exactly. I, it's a rumor because commercials don't always replicate exactly what's in a movie. Um, as you obviously are joking about, Superman is not going to have stretchy arms as far as we know. Um, not? He's not plastic, man. But uh, yeah. you know, it would. I was lying about not going to see the movie. <laughs> now I'm not going to see it because now you say he's not going to have stretchy arms. Yeah, no, you're I know. Hard man to please. Line. I wanted to see a super plastic man. That's what I wanted to see. No, what's his name? Uh, elongated man elongated. from the freaking Identity Crisis uh, <laughs> uh, storyline. But uh, yeah, it looks like uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of uh, you know uh, army uh, tanks. Uh, we're going to be seeing an, uh, a Zod's army if you go by these toy commercials. So, uh, and it sounds pretty, I uh, hate to use the word, but epic. Well, you know, um, having having been privy to the Comic-Con footage that they showed of the actual film, and, uh, of course, I was at Comic-Con in, in San Diego to actually mm-hmm. watch it inside the conference room. I didn't have anything to do with watching any of the illegally released footage no, anywhere online. Not. I watched it in that conference room because I would never, ever do anything like watching illegal footage online. But having seen that footage inside the conference room in San Diego, even though it's from seven hours row. away from where I live, I think that the movie does look epic and the people who were complaining about the actual trailer not really a trailer teaser that got released um are going to be surprised when they see some of this footage so i have to agree with you that it does look epic in a lot of its scale and a lot of the things that we're hearing and seeing about it yeah and uh you know those toy commercials aside obviously uh we don't know too much about the story or about what will be in the film because as i said toy commercials aren't always indicative of exa- of of a film's actual story so um you know it uh it gives us some information without actually giving us a full revelation of exactly what will be in there but um it answers some questions while posing some new ones well, I also wouldn't put it past them, if you remember the whole Star Wars Blue Harvest debacle of the, uh, I guess it was the Empire Strikes Back back in the day. 
um, they could put stuff out there to actually purposely throw people off and mm. not have them know exactly. You know, they could be saying, oh, well, they heard about Black Zero or whatever. Let's give them something to make them think it's one thing and then it ends up being something else. I'm still holding out that, that Amy Adams is Lana Lang, even though we've kind of seen <laughs> pictures of her in a Lois Lane type setting. But, uh, you know, and it, the, anything could happen. The toy commercial also showed a, a red Superman as far as, like, as in a red costume and, you know, well, do do we see that in the movie? I, I don't know. Well, that's a part of the movie where um, Superman splits into two beings. He's uh, Superman he's Superman blue. blue and Superman red. Uh, no one's ever seen this before. This is a novel idea made just for the film, and uh, I think it's going to be great. Yeah, and I think there's also Superman purple with pink polka dots. I believe there is, but we weren't supposed to mention that. That oh, was oops. given to us. That was given to us under wraps, and oh. we were supposed to keep that to ourselves. Sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, you know. Uh, my, me and my big mouth. Nah, well. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Man of Steel celebrities uh, appeared uh, at the Arthritis Foundation Gala, which was chaired by uh, Zack Snyder's wife. And uh, obviously he and uh, Henry Cavill and also uh, Chris Mal- Maloney um, was... Okay. He was a speaker at the, at the event, so um, he was also there. And they auctioned off a Man of Steel experience... Don't know what it went for. We just know that it was auctioned off live uh, at for those in attendance at the gala. I'd like to hear um, more about that, like m- what it went for and yeah. how the auction ran and, and what happened. Because, you know, I, I heard about this, I think, on the 25th and it was happening on the 26th and it's out in, I don't know, California or whatever. And mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, you know, if I lived in California, I might actually think about going to something like this if I had enough advance warning, you know, because... Um, I would bid on something like that if I if I had disposable money and I could actually go there and, and make some bids because it sounded like something really really cool. Well, from what I understand, the uh, it wasn't a cheap. Um, tickets were beginning at five hundred dollars per person for an ind- individual tickets, and you could sponsor sponsor a table for five thousand. So, I don't think your average Joe, uh, your average Superman fan, would have been necessarily. Uh, picking up a ticket to this uh, gala held in Beverly Hills on the 25th. Uh, so I imagine that the experience uh, for the Man of Steel that was auctioned off would have gone for quite a hefty price. Well, you know, 20000 30000 a million, you know, whatever it is. I mean, it's, 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 it's a mere bag of shells, you know, when you're, when you're Scotty V, and I would have been able to, uh, I would have been able to, you know, um, uh, get that money together. Sure, sell off one of your children. <laughs> For something as important <laughs> as a man of steel experience, could anyone really blame me? No, exactly. No. Now, I mean, that experience involved included two tickets to the LA premiere of Man of Steel next year, uh, meet and greet on the and red carpet photo with Henry Cavill, uh, so two good. tickets to the star-studded uh, premiere after party, a oh. private lunch with director Zack Snyder, a private VIP tour for two at the Warner Brothers Studios in Burbank, California, two nights stay at the Anders Hotel in uh, West Hollywood, uh, official Man of Steel poster signed by the director, producers, and cast. And That's goodie... really the thing everybody was bidding on. Well, if I'm as well as honest. the goodie bag of Man of Steel mm, well, yeah. collectibles. <laughs> it probably had the stretchy guys in it. 
Probably. Uh, mm. That would if it didn't include those stretchable toys, then you probably wouldn't 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 bid on it whatsoever. How how could I bid on something if it didn't have the stretchy armed Superman toys in it? That goes without saying. I sure. I, I can't hold out any longer. I'm the one who won the package. I paid three hundred and twenty-two trillion dollars for it, and I'm going to be there. I'm going. It's fantastic. Well, that's, that's great. And the the, the, the the VIP tour for two, I'm, I'm assuming that I'm the other person you're taking? Well, how could I not take you? I mean, you know, my Superman partner in crime. You're, you're definitely going, and I'll expect that $187 trillion, half of the price that I paid uh, in the mail very shortly. No worries. The, uh, I'll, I'll send a check. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, so we well, would exactly like to hear some more information about just what that uh, Man of Steel experience went for, what were the what the uh, winning bid was. Um, I think uh, that would be quite uh, an interesting bit of information, especially if we could uh, interview the person and, and get some, you know, inside information about, uh, you know, what they, um, you know, what the experience was like. That would be an interesting uh, interview. You know, hear a lot about it and, and, you know, hear maybe where they're coming from in terms of their Superman fandom or why they would actually want to bid on something. Because my understanding is they had a lot of auction items going on. There was a lot of bidding going on, on a lot of different things, all to um, go toward the Arthritis Foundation. So I would assume, even though we said that uh, not your run-of-the-mill Superman fan would be able to go and then bid on something like this, but I would still assume that someone uh, that's a little well-off but, but wants to contribute to a nice charity would still have some sort of Superman uh, fanship if he if he was going to be bidding on something uh, like this prize pack. So it would be, uh, I think, an interesting interview maybe for the live show that uh, uh, you guys do every uh, every Monday night. Mm. So uh, we'll wait to see more information uh, if it comes about from from that auction. Uh, moving on to other movie news, uh, we got. Uh, uh, an announcement uh, of some kind about Superman Unbound, the uh, next animated movie based on Jeff John's Superman Brainiac story from the comics of a, of a few years ago. Yeah, I think the press release said something like a uh, storyline that will leave the, the Man of Steel forever changed or something along those lines. Yeah. I imagine that they're referring to... Um, the death of Jonathan Kent that occurred in that particular storyline during that continuity, which now no longer exists. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, it's very early in the process of making this film. So my guess would be that unbound isn't necessarily going to be the title, but I'm kind of, uh, uh confused as to why they would go with a title like that, as opposed to just Superman Brainiac or, um, yeah, uh, it's kind of it's a, it's a little bit vague and it's not really it doesn't seem to be particular maybe they are referring to the idea that he can really unleash on on Brainiac and on Brainiac's robots and things because he's not uh, hurting anyone uh, in a physical manner or that's alive mm. uh, maybe that's what the term unbound refers to I don't know yeah but it would Superman Brainiac would tie in nicely with the Superman Doomsday title that they used. Um, you know, a few years ago for the other, for the Superman, you know, Death of Superman story that was obviously not as uh, close to the comic book version, but uh, with this being more along the lines of the comic book version of the Brainiac story, Superman Brainiac would have fit in nicely with that uh, similar title. Oh, of course. And I, I, I think it would be, I mean, for Superman fans' point of view, I think it would have been a better title. 
but maybe Superman Unbound is more um, uh, a title that that will appeal to people who kind of are looking for a character to be unleashed and kind of let himself go and, you know, smash things and destroy them. Maybe it sounds more exciting and maybe a, a lot of general comic book or, or superhero fans aren't necessarily aware of the name Brainiac or the character Brainiac. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but that will be released towards the middle of 2013. And then after that, they're uh, going to be releasing a Justice League Flashpoint animated movie based on, once again, Jeff John's story, uh, the miniseries Flashpoint, which obviously led into the New 52 uh, continuity um, and was the catalyst for this relaunch. And that will be released in the second half of 2013. Seems like an interesting way to go. Um, I guess that... I don't know. Are they going to are they going to change their entire animation department over to the new Fifty Two after that, or will there still mm. be, you know, is that their way of kind of saying, well, everyone's used to seeing Superman in these red tights and 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 used to seeing the way they are and the situation, you know, let's let's the same way we did with the comics, let's reboot the movie franchise and and start over and and then show people the new costumes and the new characters and the way it actually turned out in the end, uh, or is that just a one shot type of thing uh if it is a one shot it seems kind of unusual because it it, there really isn't any point to it other than to relaunch the universe from what i remember reading it yeah it wasn't a a necessarily a massive story in and of itself as far as you know at the top of people's list to see oh let's see them animate this this story uh i would think that along the lines of superman i'm sure Kingdom Come would be up there with a lot of people's wish on wish lists to see uh, an animated version of that story. Yeah, I, I'm certainly uh, I'm all for that. I may, I mean, I, I I have liked every film, uh, even not Superman related, that mm-hmm. I have seen from the animated department. So uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it uh, just for what it is. But uh, it is interesting because it kind of ends with the universe in shambles and with Flash uh, not succeeding on his mission. So. It's going to be interesting as a as a self-contained film that doesn't go anywhere after. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see what they do with that. That's not till the second half of 2013, the Flashpoint animated movie. But before that, we obviously have the Dark Knight Returns Part Two, uh, which Superman is uh, a big big part of, and then uh, Lego Batman the Movie DC Superheroes Unite is based on the the game. Uh, Lego Batman 2. So um, both of those will be released in the first quarter of 2013. Now, there are some things that make me excited. Uh, the idea that we're in the superhero age, that uh, every other minute we turn around and there's a new superhero project, a new superhero show, a new superhero movie, a new book, uh, something to get excited about. Um, uh, but then there are other things like Lego Batman Adventures movies that make me wish we were not in the superhero <laughs> age and that uh, Batman wasn't so popular and that we didn't have to see such tripe. But I haven't seen the film yet, so um, I'll hold out. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe there will be great depth of character and emotion and sadness and and uh, in, in a movie about building blocks. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I think it, it looks mostly like it's made up of the cutscenes from the actual game itself, so it may not... Uh, be really that much new material but uh, again we'll wait and see exactly what this Lego uh, movie is all about alright well let's move into TV discussion topics Uh, we had the very disappointing announcement that DC Nation 
was uh, will not be on Cartoon Network for the remainder of 2012, as we had originally thought it would be, and we saw a couple of weeks of new stuff. But they're going to push it back till January 2013, and a lot of people were angry at Cartoon Network, but they may not be the ones at fault here. Well, um, there is a rumor, and there seems to be there's a rumor surrounding everything. Uh, but uh, there's Which another the rumor now, you know. And I guess, of course, it makes sense that people are trying to come up with a reason because this was—I mean, this was unheard of. This was something very unusual and kind of out of the blue, and it had been off for a while already, and it only came back for two weeks. And there was scheduled uh, an episode to air, and suddenly it wasn't on. And then, then there was the announcement that oh, because of our anniversary or whatever it is. We we want to celebrate, and so we're not going to air that block. But don't worry, it's going to be back. And and then the rumor now, of course, to try and make some sense of this nonsensical situation is that certain characters, milestone, uh, milestone comics characters that uh, have appeared limitedly in the series might be the issue, and there might be some sort of legal ramification if they continue to use those characters. Yeah, well. Uh, it was very surprising, as you said. It was pulled out at the last minute, and uh, the the block of DC Nation episodes that was supposed to air were uh, replaced by something else. And but I think the biggest disappointment of all was the fact that the announcement was made out to be a good thing. It's like, hey, guess what? All new episodes will be come back in January. <laughs> yeah. They were like, hey, and DC like, fans, yeah. get like, surprise. <laughs> And it was like, well, no, that's not great. That's not good. We're not happy about that. Um, it is surprising. So it, that's it, a correct It's disappointing. Word, but, uh, but uh, yeah, and so and no official announcement came as to why there was no, and I'm guessing they can't for some reason divulge what the actual reason was. But uh, the rumors are going around that, you know, yes, as you said, the milestone media characters such as Static, Icon and Rocket uh, who were part of the DC Nation block, and Icon and Rocket were definitely part of the Young Justice anima- animated series, um, were unable to be used for some some reason. There's no, you know, the the agreement between DC Comics and Milestone, maybe got you know had some some loopholes, some issues, some problems there, uh, and they had to you know resolve those. Now whether or not this uh, hiatus is because they need to remove those characters from those completed episodes, so they need to allow the animators more time to uh, to adjust those episodes and, and remove those characters, or whether it's to allow the two companies more time to renegotiate the terms, we don't know, but um, we don't even know if that is the case. But the issue of um, Young Justice number 21, the comic books, um, the original cover that was solicited had Icon on the cover, and then the actual comic that came out had him removed from the cover. So that seems to lead, let, lend some uh, credence to the to the rumor. I'd like to see what the um, interior pages were like because if if in fact this rumor is true, then that would seem to mean that they need to remove him from the cover and also from any pages that he's in within the story. And same thing with the actual animated series that's on television. If 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 they are in parts of the show, and let's say that the the episodes that they had that they were preparing to air were some sort of arc that contained them in some larger role, because as I said earlier, they showed up, they were kind of there, but they weren't really they weren't main characters, they weren't pivotal characters, from what I remember. They no. weren't really used in such a way that um, you couldn't just remove them out and just not have them there, um, and not even mention it. But if they're if they were if they were playing a huge role in the episode to come 
and it was no way to air it w- without those scenes because they're interacting with the rest of the cast and and the show is already done then then certainly i could see them having to you know need time to kind of rewrite the episode and remake the episode um uh, so but i'd like to see or like to hear about what was uh, inside the book or you know then we would have more an idea but you're right that just the fact that they changed the cover seems to indicate that there is something to that rumor yeah exactly so uh, disappointing uh the word is that repeats of young justice will start to be to be aired uh on the boomerang um I think it's a channel. Uh, it's a cha- definitely a Boomerang channel here boomerang in Australia. Network, yeah. yeah, the Boomerang Network. So, uh, I'm, wh- whether or not that's just ramping up to you know to January, so that people can rewatch those episodes and get ready for uh, the new episodes in January, I don't know. But uh, Boomerang will be showing uh, Young Justice and possibly Green Lantern. I'm not sure. It's interesting to me. I don't know how how obviously I don't know how uh, ratings work on Saturday morning um, children's television networks, mm. which 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 during the DC block I guess is the best category to put that in. You know, um, here in America with with television networks at night in prime time, if a show doesn't get a certain amount of ratings, it gets canceled and. Yep. And oftentimes, even popular shows, when they go on long hiatuses or when they take a break for whatever reason or when they have a problem with, you know, there were some script issues a few years ago with a writer's strike, um, that really hurts the ratings. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it keeps people guessing as to when it's going to come back, where it's going to be, what time it is, what's happening. You know, when they when they shift shows around, the, a similar thing happened with Lois and Clark. And whether it's because, uh, you know, Terry Hatcher got pregnant and couldn't do the show or whether it's because Disney took over and didn't want to pay extra money to uh, the WB company who owned the program, but it was airing on ABC. There are many rumors surrounding that as well. And that got pulled because I, I, because it was jumping around to many different times and many different days. Mm-hmm. And I think it lost a lot of momentum and it lost a lot of viewers and it lost a lot of uh, popularity because no one knew where it was at. No one knew how to find it. No one knew what was going on. And I, it seems like the same kind of thing should be true with an animated show. Um, when it disappears for, I mean, I think the same thing kind of might have happened with Justice League. You know, it was around, then it wasn't, it was on, then it was a year off, then it was six months, then it was 18 months, then it came back, then it was gone. It's almost like you're teasing us with little bits here and there, and then eventually people just go, you know what, forget it. I'm not even, I don't care about it anymore, and I'm, I'm moving on to other things. It's like it must be canceled or it must not be there or it must be gone. Mm. Um, I think this type of thing is it's got to be really hurtful even to a uh, 10 a.m. program on a Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it can't be good, and I'm sure it's not the ideal situation, but uh, obviously there were reasons behind it that uh, necessitated. Well, the, sure, uh, it was a celebration of their anniversary, and it was a surprise <laughs> for all us DC fans. Yeah, it a uh, big surprise. Um, okay, moving on. Um, there was an announcement about a uh well warner brothers are celebrating their 90th anniversary and um releasing these all these best of dvd and and blu-ray collections and amongst those was a best of warner brothers superman tv collection yes another uh another way for them to combine their efforts and and try and make more money on the uh superman uh product line obviously um all of these things have been released in one form or another and many of them all many times um so my kind of take on it is um 
mostly it's only going to be fans that that are going to buy it that need to to, have, to you know completists that need to have everything with the s on it or um some people who are casual fans that kind of might like superman but but never really watch some of these shows and might want to give it a try but i can't really see a lot of casual fans spending the kind of money that it's going to cost to buy this no especially when it it is uh, reissued material it's not anything new um it's from what we understand, it will contain things like Lois and Clark, Smallville, um, The Adventures of Superman, uh, the serials, the Fleischer cartoons, uh, and only the first seasons of some of those shows. So it, it is an interesting collection to actually be putting out there, really. Uh, I don't think diehard Superman fans um, will necessarily be picking it up because they will already have this material. No, but there are some people, you know, and Lucas is a master of this with his Star Wars stuff, uh, that need to buy every, every cover yeah. that comes out. They need to buy every box. They need to buy every special edition. They need to buy everything there is that's related to the movies. Um, if it's a Stormtrooper's head, if it's Darth Vader's head, if it's Yoda's head, it's a different thing every time, even though it's the same movie. And Lucas knows this. Lucas knows that there are that there are people who are insanely, uh, uh, you know, fanatics that need to buy these things. And I think maybe warner brothers is hoping to cash in on that to a certain extent um because well, the one thing that i did think was maybe some people who you know maybe kind of like superman or, or maybe like superheroes in general or or maybe have a kid that they think might enjoy this might buy it for the for the idea that it contains one of each thing and if they don't like one or another then they don't have to continue and go to the next you know it has lois and clark season one it has the george reeves series season one if if one or both of those things are enjoyed then you could go out and buy the next season yeah. and only one season at a time and and then continue with it let's say a father who who wants to watch it with his son but isn't sure if his son will like it and doesn't own it he could buy this to kind of have a sampling uh, of excitement to watch with his son when they get together to watch something or whatever and maybe in that way they could they could make some money it's kind of a way to say well I don't know if I want to buy the whole series, but I could check it out and see which ones I do like. But it's kind of an expensive way to do that, so I don't know. Yeah, and that will be released in May 2013, and uh, we'll just see how sales of that go uh, once it's released. So uh, that's it's also interesting that uh, two or three of the things on there were not TV, quote-unquote, yeah. TV Superman products. There was the Superman Doomsday movie, uh, which was not on television not unless it came TV. on after the fact, but, I mean, it was direct-to-DVD movie. Yep. And then the uh, uh, the serials, which were, of course, released in, in uh, theaters, they have, I guess, played on TV eventually at different times, but they weren't technically a TV product. Yep. And same for the Fleischer <laughs> Superman animated shorts. They were uh, to uh, the big screen as well. Uh, so, yeah, interesting that they call it a TV collection when uh, three of the two, four, six, eight, nine, uh, so a third of the uh, items on there uh, weren't actually TV uh, material. Yeah, strange. Okay, well, let's move into our comics uh, talks, uh, comic book discussion. Let's uh, do. There were some massive announcements at New York Comic Con. Uh, and it was interesting for once that Superman took the limelight uh, for a change in DC Comics announcements. Uh, obviously, 2013 is Superman's 75th anniversary, so they're trying to uh, ramp up the excitement for Superman and with the new movie and everything that makes sense for DC to try to uh, cash in on that hype. 
Uh, and they made an announcement, and the big announcement of the uh, con was the fact that Scott Snyder and Jim Lee will be teaming up as writer and artist uh, to do a new standalone Superman comic in 2013, which I assume will be titled Man of Steel. That's what it sounds like. That's what it looks like. Um, they haven't really given kind of a way whether or not it will really be connected to the movie uh, or whether it'll be more connected to the comics. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm very interested in, in seeing this. I, I've kind of been disappointed for however long it's been, 15 years or so since we lost our Man of Steel comic, mm-hmm. you know, and then we lost uh, the other Superman. There was, was Superman, there was Action Comics, there was Man of, of Steel, Superman. and then there was Adventures of Superman. And, and so now we only have the two. And, you know, it's debatable uh, with, with Superman and action never being in the top 20. Uh, well, it's it's debatable. Are they? Yeah, oh, definitely. Okay. My understanding was that things like Batman were always in the top 20 and and, uh, and Superman was still struggling. But uh, I know that the new 52 is still, is still doing well in terms of... Um, you know, being noticed and being and 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 being sold. And, well, and definitely. Just to uh, give you an example, September uh, sales, Action Comics Zero was number six, and Superman number zero was number twelve. Well, that's 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 better than I was led to believe. But yeah. good, good. Uh, so yeah, then I mean, I guess then then that then that is a good enough reason to launch another book. Um, I guess they canceled the other two years ago because sales were down and, and things were not doing as well as they would like and they were trying to consolidate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if this gives them reason to open up another book, then that's that's pretty exciting because, uh, you know, I'd love to have a Man of Steel book. Yeah, again. and from what Scott Snyder is saying, he says this Superman story is really the biggest, most epic Superman story I can do. It's sort of like I always imagine they're going to kick me off right after the story. So it's like everything I love about Superman in one. It's similar where it really is largely about things that I find most heroic and wonderful about him is his sense of restraint in the way that he's, he's this superhero who has the ability to reshape the world in the way that he thinks would be best, and yet instead he challenged us to do it ourselves and he looks to us to be inspired and to inspire us. The story really takes its structure from that it has the DNA of a lot of my favourite Superman stories like What's So Funny About Truth, Justice in the American Way and Kingdom Come and Red Sun. Yeah, I remember reading that uh, when it was first released earlier in the month. And uh, this is another case where finally we have a creator that seems to me to really like the character, really enjoy what he is and, and really isn't talking about, well, we're going to come in and we're going to change things and we're going to make things different and we're going to make Superman relevant. And we're going to make him interesting for people again. Edgy. Um, it's better that, you know, when I hear it, it's better and it's more exciting to hear a guy come in and say that he loves lots of things about Superman and all of them are going to be in this story. Not that, uh, well, I kind of never really liked Superman, but I thought I could make him interesting again so i'm going to take over um which is certain uh creators that uh will go nameless <clears throat> work on action comics um have said in the past um and jim lee uh obviously i think um uh, as many people that can come forward and say oh well he's an artwork attack you whatever i think that it's a lot of uh, jealousy and i think that it's a lot of um uh, uh, you know, kind of secretive um, admire, admiration for his work because uh, 
he's 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 clearly a a uh, prolific artist and i love uh i love looking at justice league and and just seeing the the work that goes into it and and so this is exciting uh, a superman book with jim lee on it and and, and scott snyder seemingly uh, very excited about doing the story and, and has this great plan and and i like to hear that yeah and the other big announcement of new york comic-con was the announcement that andy diggle will be taking over action comics with uh, Tony Daniel, and uh, that will come after after Grant Morrison's uh, completion of his run. I think what uh, nineteen or something Diggle's going to take over. Yeah, so, uh, I think action. it's uh, nineteen or eighteen. Um, it was originally was sixteen was going to be re- end of Grant Morrison, but I believe he's doing seventeen as well. So um, yeah, I think it's eighteen is his is Diggle's first. Uh, first Superman, or first action comics issue. 18, and what Daigle is saying is that at that point, um, we're going to be caught up to the current continuity of the New 52, whereas most of Morrison's run was set five years in the past when Superman was new and and, and just learning to use his powers and a little bit more brash. This will be be, uh, kind of in continuity with the other books and is going to be part of the big crossover, and there's going to be a lot of different things going on with Superboy and Supergirl and uh, he's he's excited, but at the same time, he finds it a little bit um, um, uh, what, what do you say stressful because yeah, uh, you know not only has he always wanted to write for Superman, and this is one of the biggest projects that any uh, comics creator writer could be involved in, but but he also now has to worry about a, a crossover and, and writing other characters and. Um, but uh, he sounded excited as well and sounded like he's always wanted to do Superman and he said things like uh, it's a dream project for him and it's going to be the greatest thing he's ever done. So, again, words that I love to hear from a creator rather than, well, clearly Superman's uh, you know worn out his welcome, he's uh, clearly not interesting anymore, and I'm going to change that because I'm great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Andy Diggle's sounding very excited about uh, bringing uh, his... Uh, take on Superman and, and being able to write action comics once Grant Morrison is finished, and it is number 18 is his first first issue. Now, let's talk actual to- comics. Uh, this past month saw all the number 13 issues come out. Action Comics number 13 uh, saw the story of the Phantom Zone uh, and its first um, resident, I guess, if you'd like to call it that, Dr. Zadu. And, and and a great, really great crypto story. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of nice um, as an introduction to to the dog and and where he came from and and what 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 the situation is with him and how he seemingly was able to follow along with young Clark as he grew and and mm. and uh, be kind of involved in his life, even though he was trapped in the Phantom Zone, I guess. Uh, although the way it's described in the story. Um, phantoms can't really see beyond uh, where they're at. So I'm not really sure if he could see Clark from where he was, if he was actually there himself, or if, if was were we meant to think Clark was dreaming about it. Or uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it, but it was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I thought that, uh, you know, the doctor kind of served his purpose, but he wasn't really... Uh, I guess he wasn't particularly interesting or uh, there wasn't anything special about him, but uh, it was neat to see the Phantom Zone and it was kind of an interesting take on the whole thing. Now, I wonder with a name like Zadu, if his middle name was Na, Zanadu. (laughs) (laughs) You only say that because you're Australian. 
Yeah, well, you know, Olivia yeah. Newton-John and all that. But, uh, That's right. Yeah, it was an interesting name. And I've I got to think that the, the writer, when he came up with that name, was uh, Grant Morrison was thinking of that. I, I don't know, but uh, it just seemed so obvious to me. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, the uh, this Action Comics number 13 was, was a great read. And, and for some reason, the backup stories seem to have more heart in all of these action comics issues, uh, Sholly Fish seems to does a, do a great job with these backup stories. It seems to find the heart of the story better than uh, than Grant Morrison himself. Yeah, I've I've been pretty happy with the backup stories. Uh, you know, when Sholly's when Sholly's work is there, it, it really shines and it it, it really. It, it 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 puts a very nice capper on the book. Like even if you're kind of like reading Grant Morrison's and you're kind of going, what what, what 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 just happened? You know, you read this story and it kind of makes you forget uh, what might have been odd about the other story, and and you kind of end with a smile, even if you weren't sure if you were going to before you got there. Yeah. So uh, pat on the back for Shelley Fish. She does a great job there. Then uh, next up was Supergirl number thirteen, and. Uh, this was interesting because of the fact that Supergirl gets her own Fortress of Solitude of a, of a type in this uh, sanctuary uh, pod that was at the bottom of the ocean, uh, part of uh, her spaceship that uh, crashed to Earth. And um, she, uh, she takes ownership of, of sanctuary. Yeah, I, I thought it was neat. I, I, don't, I don't remember any time, um, you know, at least in my memory, I don't remember Supergirl having a place like the Fortress of Solitude, having a hideout, having a a base of operations. I don't, you know, I think this might be a first. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't been reading Supergirl much longer than the uh, the modern version of her since uh, you know John Burns uh, relaunched. But uh, yeah, so I don't know what if Supergirl had anything like that. Maybe one of our readers, uh, older readers, or Silver Age readers, can let us know. But uh, the end of this story obviously shows ties into the beginning of Superman number 13, which we will get to shortly, um, and is preparing everybody for the big Hell on Earth crossover. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of wondering what that's going to be all about. But uh, this was uh, – I like – the other thing I liked about this story was that um, – the guy from the space station was back and uh, clearly still still a threat and still around and still interested in controlling Supergirl. And now she's got him trapped in uh, Crystal or something at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, uh, the character being Simon Tycho Ticho. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, he's in his new uh, grafted, gelatinous, translucent alien life form thing that uh, he uh, saved his life pretty much after... Um, the previous uh, time we saw him, so uh, it was uh, interesting that he tapped into the pod and was able to tell Supergirl about some of her past, and she learnt about. Uh, she got that final message from her father, from Zorel, and found out that her mother, Allura, had actually killed uh, or shot her father at the end there. Um, so Supergirl learning a bit more about her background and learning about you know just what did happen. Uh, to Krypton and how she did come to be on Earth. So that was Supergirl number 13. And then we move into Superboy number 13. And uh, this was more of a, like, a let's tie up this storyline that we've been doing and you can kind of finish it off in the the Ravagers uh, comic book because uh, Superboy (laughs) is going to be moving on to other stuff. And um, 
bigger and better things for the Hell on Earth storyline. Yeah, yeah, go pick up Ravagers. <laughs> and in this issue, Superboy um, pretty much just takes Dallas, his new girlfriend. Uh, well, not even she's not really girlfriend, but he's, she's landlord. She's something or other, and she's uh, obviously strapped for cash. And somebody's after her. And as we saw in previous issue, and he takes her out shopping with all his really hard-earned cash that he's stolen from the banks and that he promises to give back and uh he's attacked by the police and by these other by the you know the people that uh he you know saved Dallas from and all he wants to do is be normal have a normal day's, day's life and people won't let him and then uh, his friend uh, I'm forgetting her name uh Lua Jocelyn Lua uh leads him to Caitlin, who he's been looking for all this time, Caitlin Red Fairchild, and um, go read the rest of it in Ravages. Well, I will say that it is uh, exceedingly normal to rob banks and then keep the money around when you're supposed to be a quote-unquote hero. Um, I was just borrowing it for a while. I think he says at one point, uh, <laughs> I plan on giving it back, uh, but uh, not right now. Um, so uh, as far as trying to be normal and other won't let him be normal i think that uh he's part of the problem as far as that goes because he's not he's not really doing anything that's particularly normal i mean i've never robbed a bank um but you know uh maybe it's an idea now that i've read the book and uh, i see that my heroes are doing it yeah so uh superboy number 13 was a bit of a, a letdown uh, let's hope that the uh the book picks up uh and uh really fits in well with this uh hell on earth a storyline that's about to cross over between Superman, Supergirl, and Superboy books. And speaking of Superman, number 13 uh, is probably the most recent publication that we've read of the, of the ones we're talking about. Well, we we'll just lost Scotty there for a second. Uh, I believe the uh, the power went out because of the hurricane, Scott. Yes, indeed. Uh, as much as I haven't really heard any wind or seen much of any storm other than a little bit of rain, um, apparently our modern technology isn't as good as I uh, had hoped. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about technology at the beginning of the show, but uh, we will continue on via your cell phone. Um, Here I am, living in the pilgrim times. As I said, I did not want to. I have a candlelight uh, next to me, uh, and I'm... Sitting here in the dark. Of course, I guess a pilgrim couldn't be on a cell phone talking to you right now. <laughs> well, let's continue on uh, and hope the electricity comes back on soon. We were talking about Superman number 13, and this uh, story was a big one because of the fact that Clark Kent quit the Daily Planet. Ooh, everyone was up in arms over that. I've already, I've already kind of said my piece on uh, Great Scott a couple of weeks ago, but um, I, the weird thing is, is that. You know, uh, even our, uh, our very own reviewer, uh, who is that that reviews uh, Superman? Superman is reviewed by Adam DeChannel. Okay. Um, yeah, I, after I read the book, I, of course, went on, as I always do, and I read Adam's review. And uh, he, he doesn't seem to get it, at least the same way that I do. I mean, everybody has their own kind of view on things. Mm -hmm. but But online, a lot of different comment boards on Facebook, that kind of thing. People are using words like um, hypocrite, um, uh, emotional whiner, um, crybaby. Uh, this isn't what I signed on for when I started to read Superman. I mean, to me, uh, it seems like everything that I've always thought Superman slash Clark Kent has stood for comes out in his speech 
to Morgan Edge about the Daily Planet and, and comes out when he tells Perry about the Daily Planet. And, and it, it seems to me that Superman, Clark Kent, has always stood for truth and has always been very passionate about journalism and about telling the news the way it is and, and about not over-sensationalizing and, or, mm-hmm. and over-hyping or lying or rumor-mongering. And from the beginning of the New 52, from Superman number one, Clark has had a problem with Morgan Edge. He's had a problem with the multimedia conglomerate that the Daily Planet has become. And it's only gotten worse. And Morgan Edge has made it clear that he's willing to do and say anything in order to sell papers, even if it has nothing to do with the truth. So him making that speech and then walking out on his job doesn't seem hypocritical, doesn't seem whiny, doesn't seem um, uh, teen angsty, doesn't seem any of that, doesn't seem rebellious. It seems like he's standing up for what he believes in, which is something he's always done and something he's always believed in is, has been truth and, and especially truth in journalism. You know, Clark is super smart. He's super fast. He's super strong. Uh, he could probably have gotten a job in any sports organization. He probably could have gotten a job in football or in or in hockey. He could have gotten a job as a scientist. He probably could have been a, a novel writer. But but his thing is that, that he really is passionate about the news and telling people the truth about what's going on, uh, other than, of course, that he's Superman. But uh, that's one truth he doesn't always uh, come out about. But uh, you know, I don't really, I don't get it. I don't actually... Um, understand, you know, with the whole relaunch of the New 52, I had at least a vague understanding of people being upset because their characters were changing, even in a small way. They didn't like it. They, you know, people were adverse to change. So, if it's that you just want him to work at the Daily Planet and it's too much of a change for you that he doesn't work there anymore, I guess I understand that from that very limited viewpoint, but the idea that it's hypocritical because he, like any of us, after we do something, even though we really believe in it, we kind of go, ah, oh, shit, did I just, uh, I mean, darn, did I just stab myself in the back by doing what I just did? I mean, don't I need that job? What am I going to do now? Um, I think, if, if anything, it makes him seem more human that he second-guesses the decision that he made because it could have ramifications that will be hurtful to him down the road. Yeah, no, I think it's a very, uh, a very in-character comic book uh, for from both Superman and Clark Kent's point of view, and I think we see the whole full gamut of Superman's powers. So people have been whinging about, oh, this is not the Superman I signed up for. Well, this is a Superman of his shows who does uses every single one of his powers in his comic book story. Um, he talks about truth, justice, and the American way. He's uh, he stands up for truth. He's you know he's he shows that he's got feelings and uh, attractions for Lois. We've seen we see Jimmy. We see, well too much of Jimmy. We see Perry White. Uh, Morgan Edge, Supergirl, they all, it's all in this comic book. So, uh, really, um, I don't understand the, a lot of the complaints that I'm seeing because this really is a, a Superman comic book that, uh, it really has everything that, uh, people have been asking for. It's, it's just, it's mind boggling to me because I remember before the new 52 got launched, people saying there's not enough Clark Kent. We don't see him in his glasses and his suit. We don't see him doing his job. We don't see him, you know, reporting the news. We don't see Clark enough. It's, it's action, 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 nonstop, blah, blah, blah. And here we have, I think, from the beginning of the New 52, a lot of Clark Kent scenes, a lot of Clark Kent dialogue, a lot of Clark Kent interaction with other characters, and still somehow it doesn't seem to be what they want. So I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just complaining to complain and uh, aren't uh, really giving the books their their uh, their dues. So, um, you know, let's, uh, let's wait and see what, what this hell on earth 
a story, how it pans out, because now all the books uh, will be moving into that as of issue number 14. Uh, but the other comic book that seems to be doing really well, especially in digital sales, is Smallville Season 11. And doesn't really sound that great on the uh, the cell phone line, the singing, but... Uh... Fine, but that's the opening to our Smallville comic book segment. <laughs> We have we can't we can't do it without it. We have to have it. Um, but uh, yeah, we see Superman and Batman fighting up, fighting against the uh, the, the team of Prankster and Mister Freeze, uh, an odd combination. Um, and it's a different uh, different take on all these different characters. But uh, it seems to be winning the favor of many of the readers out there. Well, you know, here's the thing, and uh, I think I kind of said this before, and if I didn't, uh, I'll say it now. Um, this. Smallville, it's kind of like, you know how people always said, oh, you know, calm down, get over it, Smallville's an alternate reality, it's a different take on these characters, it doesn't have to be like the comic books, you know. Um, well, now, I personally have to say that about the Smallville comic book. It's another alternate reality, and it's not the same reality as what the Smallville TV show was. I'm sorry to you uh, if you're a fan of what the show was, and you're a fan of this book, and you think it's the same thing. It absolutely is not. Clark is intelligent. Clark is witty. Clark says smart things. Clark does heroic things all the time. Clark is fighting for what's right. Clark is... He completely embraced being Superman, but it's all out of nowhere because he never did that on the show. He never did any of those things on the show. He wasn't witty. He was a dim bulb, and he continued to make the same mistakes over and over again. He was responsible for killing people. Uh, he didn't like who he was. He didn't like his powers. He didn't like doing what he did. And he put on the suit in the final episode just because that's what we wanted him to do, so they did it. But it made no sense, and it came out of nowhere. And now... It's supposed to be the very next year, the very next season. It's supposed to be his continuing adventures now that he is put on the suit, and he's a completely different person. And what he is now, much to my happiness, is Superman. And and I don't mean that because he's wearing the suit. What I mean is his attitude, his take on life, the way he enjoys his powers, the way he enjoys dealing with these villains, the snarky comments he makes, the things that he does, are all indicative of who Clark Kent is as a hero, not who he was on Smallville. And this is supposed to be the Smallville book. And I think the only connection is that it has the look of Erica Durant when you see Lois. It has the look of Tom Welling when you see Superman. But other than that, it's more like a Superman comic book that we've been reading for years and years where Superman is Superman and he does what he's supposed to do and he does what he believes in, whereas in the show Smallville, he never did those things. Yeah, well said. Uh, so uh, Smallville season 11, uh, enjoyable book, and, and like you said, uh, it's a good Superman book, but it doesn't really feel uh, like the Smallville TV series. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on from the comic books side of things, and really it, across the whole spectrum of Superman stuff, is our uh, Shield Awards. We've been doing this for, uh, this will be our 12th year of our annual Shield Awards. Uh, they'll be launched uh, in the next few days when, as you're listening to this, uh, the beginning of November, uh, first week of November, I'll be launching the 2012 Shield Awards where you get to vote on all aspects of uh, the Superman industry uh, right across the 12 months of 2012, uh, and including uh, comic books with a 2012 cover date. So look for that soon on the Superman homepage. Now, Steve, before we move on from comic books, I did want to say that with that Smallville uh, book that we were just talking about, 
we do, <laughs> unfortunately, get another instance of, in comic book form, in animated form, in movie form, whatever it is, Batman having to save uh, Superman. <laughs> Let it go. And it just, it, it, it just wouldn't be a Batman slash Superman story if uh, Batman didn't get to save Superman at least one time. Well said. All right, well, yeah. let's let's move into other news. Uh, Warner Brothers won a big, uh, had a big win in the legal battle over the rights to Superman uh, with a judge deciding that the Schuster family or the Schuster estate's claim uh, is invalid and that Warner Brothers will retain uh, that 50% of uh, Superman's copyright uh, that the Schusters were trying to regain. This, of course, right now is fantastic news because uh, we were all obviously wondering how it was going to go, what was going to happen if, if, if the Schusters gained 50% or gained the rights to Superman. How would we continue with our hero? How would we see new stories? You know, what would change? What would go on? And, and the other thing is that, that uh, people are kind of still holding on to the hope that the new 52 has all been simply created because of this whole Schuster-Siegel issue and that that hopefully once we know for sure that one of them is going to retain the rights that everything can go back to normal because the only reason they did this is because they wanted to prove to the court that Superman is very different from what he was when he was created back in the uh, 30s. But I, I don't believe that's the case because they've changed their whole line. They didn't just change Superman. They changed many, many things. Um, uh, but certainly uh, uh, it's, it's still good news, even though I guess Tobarov uh, is going to appeal and they're going to try and take it to the next level. Yeah, and on the back of that, well, actually just before that announcement, Laura Siegel Larson, the daughter of Jerry Siegel, sent out an open letter to the fans, uh, which surprised me. She sent it to me personally as well so that I could publish it on the Superman homepage about her opinion on what thing, where things are at and how she feels about it all and how, you know, that Toborov's being painted as this and, you know, he's actually this. And uh, I didn't actually think that, you know, people who were involved in a legal battle were allowed to or were in, advised to you know, openly discuss certain aspects of a, an ongoing case, but the, here she is sending a letter out to the fans, uh, giving her opinion and her take on the situation. Yeah, I'm almost certain that uh, her lawyer would have advised her not to do that, um, but being that we're not there and we don't know exactly, and, and who knows who Tobaroff really is and what, what, his, what his goals really are, as many rumors as there are, and as much as we seem to think that uh, you know he has his own ends in this, you know, it is quite possible that much of what she says could be true, and she did make a lot of interesting points. And I have said before that uh, it's very unfortunate that the that, that that the boys got treated the way they did back in the 30s. Um, uh, I think that they 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 are the ones who made the egregious error. Uh, but in doing so, they ended up getting fired, and they ended up you know losing what was one of the greatest uh, you know literary pop culture creations of all time. However, that being said. Warner Brothers in D.C. over 75 years have made the character what he is and made him what he has become without their marketing department, without their money, without their movies, without their TV, without their animation, without all the writers and creators over the 75 years. Superman would not be the property that he is today. Mm -hmm. So if, 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 if Siegel and Schuster were able to somehow create this character completely on their own, there's a there's a there's a very 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 good chance that we wouldn't go into any store anywhere and see the Superman symbol everywhere. Exactly, and uh, I think 
the fact that uh, so in recent years, especially with Larry Ty's book coming out and giving some so much information about just how much money Siegel and Schuster and, and Joanne uh, Siegel ended up making and getting from DC and Warner Brothers over the years, uh, kind of had many fans shifting their perspective and their opinion um, and realising that maybe Warner Brothers and DC Comics aren't the big bad corporation that they've been made out to be or that... Uh, a lot of people assumed they were, and that you know it was the big guy versus the big company versus the little guy, and maybe that there are you know some uh, some you know things in there that uh, really um, made Warner Brothers and DC Comics out to be a pretty good company to work for, and and were pretty good to uh, Siegel and Schuster over uh, you know especially the last thirty years uh, since. You know the, the the Superman the movie was made and everything got kind of brought out in the open and a, a lot of money was uh, given to them over the years and it was increased um, and so maybe public opinion was swaying against the Siegel and Schuster estates and um, this letter is trying to win back some of that favour and some of that public opinion. Well, I mean, I think and I I, I think that that's true because. What, what, what did it say? Uh, Four million dollars, you know, in the, uh, in the in the judgment uh, made by the by the uh, by the judge in this case, where they found that the amount of money that DC has paid them over the years mm. has accrued to four million dollars, I think is what it was, and that that's that's uh, uh, more than enough, and and that uh, the agreement that was made that you made yourselves the last time this came up is binding and and will stand. Uh, the idea that in all actuality, when it when it boils down to it, no matter what the law is in terms of in terms of copyright and in terms of how many years it takes for it to run out and in terms of when you can actually apply for reownership or whatever, because we know all of those things are legal and all of those things are allowed to be uh, gone after. But there have been deals made in the past with DC. There have been agreements come to, and both sides have agreed in good faith to agree to those agreements. And now. Uh, or every eight years or every ten years or however often they want to decide to try to reopen this up, they make sour grapes again, and they make it seem like they've been unfairly treated, and they make it seem like they're owed more than what they have already gotten. And the most blanket statement I can make to that, as unfair as it may sound and as as you know, cold and unfeeling as it may sound, is that you've been paid $4 million since the last time that, that this came up, and you've been paid $4 million essentially for doing nothing other than being related to the two gentlemen who created something that eventually became a pop culture phenomenon due to the interference of Warner Brothers in D.C. doing what they do to make that character that phenomenon. Yep, well said. Now, Laura uh, was in uh, attendance at the opening of an exhibit at the Cleveland Hopkins International Airport that was opened this past, oh, throughout October, this past month, uh, a Superman exhibit uh, recognising the fact that Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were uh, Cleveland residents at the time that they created Superman, and that permanent exhibit will be there in the baggage claim area of the airport for everyone to see uh, for from now on. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, any kind of... Um 
honoration you can do for for some guys who created this character and also for the character himself. And, you know, I have no grudge with, uh, with Schuster or with Siegel, uh, in any way, you know, their families or, or anything, you know, I think, I think it's neat that she gets to be a part of that thing. I think it's neat that she gets to be there. And, you know, uh, I just think that she, I mean, the way I would look at it as a child, uh, as a relative of someone who was long dead and created something long, long, long ago that has since been, changed and modified and made more popular and made more relevant and made greater in the world than ever was is to be thankful and to say boy I'm, I'm glad to have that legacy i'm glad to be a part of that i'm glad that my father's name still appears on every single piece of merchandise well a story or movie that comes out it still always says created by by, by siegel and schuster it's not like they're forgotten and they still get their stipend, and they still get paid, and they still get lots of money. And this woman, who is essentially an unknown, has become kind of a celebrity and is able to be at these types of events. And people want to hear from her. And, and she can have her letter published on the webpage, the most popular Superman webpage on, on the Internet, uh, which you would not be able to do if you weren't who you were and you weren't in this situation and you weren't a part of something great. So I don't know. I guess I would say... With something like this airport opening and, and something like this this judgment being found, how about we all just kind of get along and kind of like say, you know, we're all part of something great, and 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 let's 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 enjoy it the way that the fans do, and let's enjoy it the way that maybe Superman would, and and realize that some wrong decisions were made, some wrong judgments were made way back when, but since preparations have been made, and since we've kind of been given a happy life. It. Now, our fathers were not happy, and, and for the most part, we kind of know that they died kind of desperate and, 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 and poor, and, and that's unfortunate, but that's nothing can be done about that now. Now, you, I think you, you kind of, it might be best for you, even Laura, and, and for the others involved, to kind of just enjoy life and enjoy what it brings. Instead of spending every moment and every year and all your time in court and, and writing up these letters and talking to your lawyer and just, you know, everyone's getting older and time is moving on and, 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 and you know, more people are going to die and, and more things are going to end and, and is it going to end with us all in battle till the very end? You know, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem logical. Yeah, and uh, on a final note, um, we sadly uh, learnt of uh, the death of one of our own, one of the Superman homepage staff members uh, in October. Uh, Peter T. McDermott was uh, a great friend and a great writer for the Superman homepage for many years. He joined the website not long after I uh, took over in 1996 and he wrote the episode guides for uh, Superman the Animated Series, for Smallville, and uh, he was just a great guy and uh, I was very sad to learn from his son that he had passed away in a motorcycle accident. He was a, a, an avid motorbike rider and um, went riding all the time in his Superman t-shirt and sadly uh, passed away um, in on uh, in October, um, and uh, with his son in attendance, and uh, uh, a very sad news indeed, and uh, he will be greatly missed. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't think I ever actually had the pleasure of a conversation uh, with Peter, um, but I have obviously read his work 
on the site. I've read his uh, write-ups and, and reviews and, and different things, and uh, I think it's it's clear that uh, as, a, as a guy in his 50s who had always rode motorcycles and then loved, kind of in loved life, loved being out there, loved doing what he did, that, uh, you know, uh, it's another, I think, another way to think about the situation I was just referring to, or any situation. Um uh, you gotta kind of enjoy life. You gotta do what you do. And 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 as unfortunate as it is, uh, at times that accidents happen and that uh, people are left behind, uh, we know that while we were here, we enjoyed our lives and we lived life to the fullest. I mean, sure, you can say, you know, I I need to stop riding motorcycles because I could have an accident. But I think you could say that about anything. I think you could say I can't drive a car because I could have an accident. I can't I can't live where there might be a hurricane because I might drown. Uh but 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 that's no way to live. And uh, I think that uh, Peter uh, had an adventurous spirit from what I can tell from what I've read. He loved his motorcycle, he loved being outdoors, he loved doing that. And this was a thing that was a freak accident that happened and that that will happen sometimes. Uh and it's unfortunate and as you say he will be missed. Yep, he was a, a great writer for, uh, for for the Superman homepage from 1996 to tw- 2010 when he asked to uh, finish up writing the Smallville reviews in at the end of Season 9. And he uh, signed uh, an email uh, at the end of one of his emails to me, uh, many, many emails we shared. Back in 2002, he signed off with uh, saying, Peter McDermott, mild-mannered reporter for the best damn Superman website in the world. And he was a, a, a you know a, a big fan of the site and a, a great part of it, a massive contributor, and a good friend. And uh, um, my condolences to his family and friends. He'll be greatly missed. Well, I believe you got the power back on there, Scott. Yes, I. Uh, it's it strange, you know. It, when it first went out, it flickered. It came back on, then it went off again, then it came back on about a minute later, and I thought we were going to be out of the woods. But then it went off for about an hour or so, and it uh, looks like they uh, they got the tree off the line or whatever it was. So uh, <laughs> All right, well, I guess uh, we'll switch, we'll switch and, over. Uh, and I'll, I'll be with you in a moment. All right, let's switch over, and we'll move into the big question segment of the show with Scotty on a much clearer line. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, who would you like to see as a major villain for a possible Justice League movie? Jeremy Crawford responded, I would love to see Imperiax as the main villain in Justice League. He could be a big threat and have ties to the Man of Steel where he could be the person responsible for Krypton's demise. Mm, that's an interesting choice, uh, Imperiax. Uh... I don't think, was he, I don't think in the, uh, I don't think he's ever actually been responsible for Krypton's demise. Uh in any of the canon or any of the... No, it's usually races. Brainiac is usually... If, yeah, if they're taking that tack. That, but, mm. I mean, I guess they could. You know. Definitely. It's uh, it's a possibility. I think uh, Zod may be uh, you know, something uh, along those lines in Man of Steel if uh, some of the rumours going around are true. But uh, we'll wait and see what they do with uh, the destruction of Krypton in Man of Steel. Okay, next up we had Miller who simply writes, Dark Side, duh, next question. <laughs> yeah, Dark Side's a pretty big one. I mean, traditionally, uh, I think he, he faces off against the Man of Steel quite a bit, but uh, with his forces and all his powers, he'd certainly be formidable for the entire group. Well, they did that in the beginning of the New 52 version of Justice League. Dark Side was the big force that brought them together, so uh, they may go along those lines for a Justice League movie. 
Sounds good to me. Alex wrote, as tempting as it would be to see someone like Darkseid, I think he should be saved for the sake of sequel escalation. I think someone like Professor Ivo with his Amazo android would be good for a first movie. Amazo's ability to take the Justice League powers would be a good way to show what the heroes can do in a first film. I would also like to see Prometheus from Grant Morrison's JLA run. Mm, some interesting thoughts there. Yeah, Amazo is a, is a good choice because... Uh... As uh, Alex writes here, he can, you know, replicate all the Justice League powers and so in, in one ca- uh, form. So it's uh, a great uh, challenge for the guys to come together and go. It would be something that I would, I mean, I actually would really like to see something like that. Mm. Uh, and I guess after the Avengers, nothing's really out of the question. But you would, uh, you know, in past films, you would think that that might be too much or that they would be expecting the audience to kind of buy into something too far-fetched or mm. something that was too far out there, you know. But I guess, uh, you know, if we can have aliens invading Manhattan and, and, and some other alien out on a, on a uh, on an asteroid and, and people are okay with it, I think we might be all right. We may be. They can uh, swallow <laughs> quite a bit these days, uh, the audience. Uh, next up is Samuel Moon who writes, I know that most people will say that Darkseid should be the villain for Justice League, but I would like to see Atlantis be the villain's. This could be an interesting introduction to Aquaman as Atlantis is attacking the mainland, similar to the first Aquaman episode of Justice League. I'm guessing he's talking about the animated series there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was an interesting way to introduce him, and he kind of had a point uh, of what was going on, or at least he was a little bit misled in what he thought was going on, and in the end they they come together and do what needs to be done. Yeah, definitely. So a nice uh, choice there. Bob Moorhead says, well, no worries about running past the character limit this time. Dark side, plain and simple, which dark side seems to be a pretty popular choice. Or if not the choice, at least the one that uh, people are talking about seeming to be the choice. Yeah, which is interesting. The responses we've had so far, the people who don't pick dark side go on to explain why. And those who have picked dark side say, yep, dark side, plain and simple, as if that answers itself. Yeah, <laughs> funny. <laughs> All right, next up we have the first of two audio responses, and it's Mikey B who sent in this audio response. Hey, Steve. Hey, Scotty. It's Mikey B. Um, I, I think with if they do make a Justice League movie, I think they got to go with something a little different than maybe the obvious choice of which they've been going with in the comics a couple times, which is you know Dark Side, Apocalypse, Parademons. Uh, they went with that with uh, the New 52, uh, the New Earth 2. Um, they even did that in Smallville to some degree. Um, I think it would be a little too close to what they did in the Avengers movie. So I think what they, they probably should do is just go all out and, and basically cast a Legion of Doom and have all those villains on screen. I mean, that's something, you know, that, you know, the Avengers had a few but certainly not nothing like, you know, having, you know, a top one or two rogues from each Justice League members uh, gallery. So I think that would be a better way of going. You're not that way. They're not falling into the copycat. It wouldn't be just kind of like a very similar movie. Um, so I, I think, you know, you just have to have uh, whomever, you know, they decide. I mean, you know, a couple from Superman's, whether they be, uh, you know, Brainiac or Zod or Doomsday, maybe Batman. You'd have you know, the Joker or whomever. 
etc. So that that's that's what I would think. You know, go ahead, cast them all. You know, have a big spectacle that seemed to work really well with the Avengers, but just don't quite copy them because uh, that might put some people off. Even just the general public thinking that, boy, this is just basically the same movie. All right, guys. Awesome job as always. Take care. Well, thank you, Mikey. Uh, good thoughts there. Absolutely. Lon Mills also sent in his response, and here it is. My choice for a Justice League live-action villain would be um, the Legion of Doom. They don't necessarily have to use the villains that were in the cartoon. I don't know what kind of legal... Um, positions that characters have it seems like batman and superman are their own entities within dc comics but you know brainiac and cheetah and captain cold there's a lot of great villains to choose from i think they could use at least four or five and really make a great film so they would be so that would be my first choice as um as as villains for a justice league film well thank you lon uh now Next up, we have Matt Apps, who says, G'day, Stephen Scotty. Your latest big question is a tough one. Which one villain is tough enough to take on the entire Justice League? Uh, if I had to pick just one, it would have to be Doomsday. But he's a Superman villain, not a JLA one. If I could pick a team to take them on, though, I'd, ha- I'd love to see the, ju- the Injustice League. That way we could see the counterparts of the JLA take them on. That may not be possible to fit into a standard-length movie, but if they could... Uh, make it work it would be awesome uh that would be an interesting uh, way to go especially if they had the same actors playing their uh counterparts um in an evil version but the same actor uh in both roles that that is kind of a very interesting uh idea there i don't know that they could get it done or pull it off but i mean if if i would i would say all in all the injustice league would be something best left for a second or a third movie after we have seen the uh, the actual good guys in their normal good guy roles and yeah. what they're doing, and then maybe however they come through an alternate universe or, or whatever it is. But uh, definitely a neat idea if if they would actually have the uh, actors play themselves in that alternate role. You know, they did the same kind of thing uh, in Star Trek. Anytime they have those uh, those crossover universes, mm-hmm. they just they put a little goatee on William Shatner and uh, <laughs> suddenly he's evil. I'm evil right now because I have a goatee. I'm you and me both. A, I've been wearing a goatee lately. Yeah, see? <laughs> we are evil versions. We don't even know it. That's right. The uh, good Argent, guys are out there somewhere. Uh, one of our uh, good friends, Argent L, responded, Hi, Stephen Scotty. I'm super excited by Scotty's suggestion of Captain Boomerang as a major threat to the <laughs> Justice League. So it's hard to come up with one as good as that, but I'll try. I guess the team is only as good as its villains, so someone like Vandal Savage would have the intellect and the resources needed to keep the team off balance. I like the idea that he's been a threat throughout history. Maybe they could show the different groups that have responded to defeating Vandal throughout the ages or maybe a little time traveling for the League. I would love to see how they do the League headquarters as well. Only time will tell. Mm, we've had some really uh, varied responses. Um, nothing as creative as Captain Boomerang. Well, <laughs> once I give the best one, people just kind of struggle as best they can to come in a close second or third. Yeah. Um, but uh, Vandal Savage is one I, I actually haven't heard mentioned, and uh, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, definitely. Now, Hector writes in, I would like to see Hugo Strange as the villain. I would like him to capture Batman and show the world who Batman really is 
and here come the Justice Leaguers to save the day. Well, Hector, uh, <laughs> based on what I know of DC and the creators and the people behind everything, having Batman <laughs> get, uh, getting beaten by anybody is probably not going to happen. Uh, and if it does happen, it's always somebody that he can then overcome completely by himself later on. So um, I don't I wouldn't really expect to see them put Batman in a situation where he requires anybody else to save him, even though that seems to be the more realistic way to go when you're talking about a Justice League film. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess anything is possible. I just I wouldn't get too excited about that idea. Nice. Brandon Whitmore writes, my obvious choice would be Darkseid and his army of parademons. However, in order to avoid the inevitable parallels that will be drawn between a Justice League film and the first Avengers film, I would be content with them facing down Ares and working a global story of a war that the League find themselves stepping in the middle of. Hmm. Interesting. Jeez, we have some, some varied villains uh, grabbed out of the ether this time for, for this question. Yeah, well, the problem, I guess, with the, as he's saying, with, with Darkseid and the Parademons is it'll look very much like the alien invasion at the end of uh, Avengers because yeah. they kind of come, they come through a tube. It almost looks like a boom tube type situation that yep. they're actually uh, coming into the Earth for. And uh, I, But I can also make the parallel with Ares in that uh, the Thor movie and, and actually the, the lead villain in the Avengers movie was uh, another god who came from another uh, dimension-type area, another world. So they could actually make that comparison with Ares, with Darkseid, and maybe with just about any villain you come up with. They could say, well, we've already seen this in this movie or that movie. Or, um, so I, I think it, it'll be difficult to not draw some parallels. I mean, first of all, the entire idea is only being rushed into production because of how successful the Avengers was anyway. So... <laughs> The whole idea as itself is really just a riff on uh, Marvel having such success with the Avengers. The other side to that is uh, a Justice League idea has been in the works for quite some time, and it's just been passed around and never actually made because DC hasn't really had a lot of success at the box office other than with Batman. Now, I think Avengers and the Marvel franchises really do open up the door to say, listen, the audience can accept a fantastical superhero story. It doesn't have to be... Uh, uh, supposedly completely grounded in reality mm. or exactly the way it might happen if we had a Batman on Earth. It can be uh, based in the comic books that it was actually drawn from. So yep. there's no reason that we can't see uh, these kind of amazing things happen in a, a superhero comic book movie. Yeah, well said. So uh, let's see what they end up doing with the Justice League movie. Uh, Dark Side for me, seems to be the most obvious choice and the biggest type of villain that would challenge uh, our Earth to require a team of superheroes to come together and form the Justice League. But, um, you know, these writers are quite creative. I'm sure they'll come up with, and whatever they come up with, I'm sure will be uh, worthy of the, these types of heroes coming together. Well, as long as it's as good as the combined efforts of Catwoman and Steel, I think that it should be <laughs> just fine. <laughs> next, uh, <laughs> next big question we have is, um, what should Clark Kent do now that he's quit his job as a reporter for the Daily Planet? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, no longer a reporter for the Daily Planet newspaper, so what should Clark do? Uh, you can respond to this big question by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. 
either as a text answer, which Scotty and I will read out, or you can do as Mikey and Lon did this month and send in an MP3 file, which we will play in our next edition of Radio KAL. What are your suggestions? Which is awesome because that gives us time to uh, kind of uh, take a little break and, you know, our tired voices, yeah. you know, because we work just so hard to bring this show to you. The, <laughs> do, do a couple the of more, shots. The more sound bites <laughs> you can send in, you know. You know what? In fact, just copy everything we say, record it yourself, send it in, and then we won't have to say it next time. Who wants to listen to us anyway? Ah, nobody. Yeah, I don't know what Clark would do as a as a job, but um, I mean, there's all this talk, all this this news item really got you know, as we discussed earlier in the show, it was a big news item in all the major media outlets. Um, you know, about him becoming you know a blogger now and uh, you know taking to the internet. Um, I'm guessing he'll still do something along those, you know, a news reporter of some kind because, you know, he stood up for the whole thing about creating, not creating news, but reporting news. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, Clark in the uh, future of the Superman comics. Yeah, I think I would agree with that as far as um, him traveling down the same path. I mean, I fully expect him to come back to the Daily Planet once he has fed it out what he believes is the villainy going on there, and that is just the uh, the the failure to report the truth as it truly is. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency and that's you. Last month's sound came from the plane rescue scene in Superman Returns. Nine people guessed it correctly, and they were Jeremy Crawford, Mikey B, Rick Ruiz, Fred Walsh. Dean Cisla, Brandon Whitmore, Brian Pride, Bardo Sosa, and Chris Hewitt. Congratulations to those nine people. Well hey. done. Let's see if they and more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. Superman? Sure. My sister's got something going with the big guy. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, Use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio Kale podcast. It's this month's Superman song, Superman, by the band known as Company, off of their 1993 album, Devotion. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting song. I listened to it first and then I... Uh, thought oh wow it's got all these different you know mentions of superman up up and away or uh faster than the speeding bullet able to leap tall buildings and then they reference jesus so i'm guessing the <laughs> i think scotty just fell off his chair then <laughs> <laughs> yeah these kind of things they always stun me so I'm, I'm just i'm back up in my seat now but uh very good this song should be interesting uh it's not the first time superman's been used as an uh uh, and a reference to uh, a Christ-like or, or religious-type figure. So, uh, it, well, take a listen. Let us know what you think. Superman by Company.
is a powerful man, but kryptonite can end his lifespan. I know someone who controls both land and sea, the elements, both you Feeling all holy and religious now? No? Oh, sorry. I just got back. I <laughs> ran out to church after hearing that. I, I needed to continue my spirit, spirituality. I, I, I hope it wasn't too long. 
they say that church services are much shorter now these days. So you know, I was able to get a modern fixation and also come back and finish the show. So uh, very good. We're all going to hell. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the show for another month. Uh, an enjoyable one and uh, a spiritual one. And um, remember, if you do have some topics that you'd like Scotty and I to discuss, if there's a song you would like to request or maybe a big question you think we need to ask of the fans, all those suggestions can be sent in to us via the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, and Scotty and I will look through those suggestions and, uh, and try to use them in a future podcast. But for now, that's the show, as I said. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and remember, everybody, Lord, you got to keep the faith. You've been listening to Radio KL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.